As you may have heard the past few weeks, we've been talking about this today, starting Lent this Sunday. Um, we're doing things a little bit differently with the service, so we're shortening things a little bit so that after the service, we're going to break up into some groups and dive deeper into the text. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later in the service. But since we're doing that a little bit differently, I wanted to move things around a little bit. And this right now, we're going to start with announcements and get those out of the way so we can do the rest of the service. So a couple things to bring to your attention this week. Um, we, Brenda Razdell was up here on the stage last week talking about a new women's group that's starting up this uh, this coming, well, this week, actually, on Wednesday, the 1st, March 1st, Wednesday night, um, they will... Uh, let me give a little brief description about what Brenda's group is about. If you weren't here last Sunday, this is what her group is. Everyone has a story. God knows your story. He can redeem your brokenness and hurt. And together in our confidential group, we'll explore our stories and how our past has shaped us. So ladies, if you want uh, to meet some other ladies and dive deeper into your stories and kind of um, Work, work through that. Brenda's group will meet every other Wednesday, starting this Wednesday here at the church, during youth group actually, so it works out well. Secondly, Pup Theology is coming up next Tuesday, so a week from Tuesday. So guys, if you want to join us, we had a, a really large group, uh, a lot of great conversations happening last month at um, Hudsonville Grill. So that happens at 6.30 to 8 Hudsonville Grill next Tuesday. If you're not on the email list, um, find one of us and we'll get you on that email list. Noah Matthias leads that group and uh, he sends out communication from that. So Pup Theology, women's group starting up. I think those are my two announcements. Got, got to get out of the way. And now we get to start worship. So why don't you guys stand with us? I want to read a verse from Psalm 145 to kind of get our minds and hearts focused on the Lord. So it's Psalms, the, the prayer book, the song book for thousands of years. My mouth will speak in praise to the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. So let's worship. Let's join in all creation and singing and praising his name together. Let's worship.
heart through all of my failure and pride. On a hill you created the light of the world abandoned in darkness to die. And as you speak stars in the sky, the painted skies, the, the crashing waves, the highest mountaintops. We feel so small, and you're such a big God, and you love us so intimately. Love us so much that you gave your son for us. give you all the honor, all the praise, all the glory today, God. Jesus, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can take a seat. Good morning, Sunrise. So we're excited about the journey that we're going to start today. Uh, the message this morning, I'm actually going to need some help. So I've, I've got a couple of, of helpers. Uh, so would the Jansen boys head this direction for me, please? All right. They're, uh, so, so you may not know this about uh, myself and the, uh, the Jansen boys, but we, we share something, and that one thing we share, one thing we don't share is that this boat is rated for 130 pounds, <laughs> and uh, we were carrying it in, and uh, I said, man, this is a really nice boat. Miles says, yeah, it's mine. And... Um, 
And he was like, well, you know, sort of the illusion that, you know, you could borrow it sometime if you wanted to. And it's like, son, how much do you think I weigh? I'd need two of these for one leg. When I was a boy, though, much like what we see taking place up here, some of my fondest memories took place around a body of water, surrounded with boats and fishing poles. I remember the two-day floats that my dad and my Uncle Henry and his cousin Dan uh, would take down the north branch of the Potomac River. Yes, that same river that George Washington floated down, floated that, caught fish out of it. The yearly trips to the Greenbrier, not the resort where the president's vacation. People from West Virginia don't go to the Greenbrier. We work at the Greenbrier and we float past on the river. But those trips floating down the Greenbrier with my papa, the Saturdays when I would wake up before the sun to go with, with papa and dad down to the Polka River or down to the Canal River backwater, any excuse for the old man to get the boat into the water. Driving early to the trout farm in Mercer County, which was my favorite way to fish. Friends, if you have ever not fished at a farm, a trout farm, you need to go. Because it's not fishing, it's catching fish. And that's what I like. Or maybe for me, again, when I was these boys' age, just walking down the hill to one of the two, two ponds that were situated on Papa's farm. There were lots of fish stories told on those little banks. Lots of memories made with family and friends. Lots of lures lost. Lots of important moments were had. You see, fishing was a primary source of recreation and leisure for the Moles family. And it can be said that for most of the men in my household and my family, my papa, my dad, my brother Chris, uh, Dad's cousin Dan, Uncle Henry, they were fishermen. Me, not so much. Papa described me this way. He said, Christopher, my brother, likes to fish. Dennis likes to catch fish. Can I get an amen? <laughs> well, today we're going to look at a couple of short verses while the Jansen boys help me up here that chronicle the life-changing encounter between Jesus and the Bible's most famous fishermen. Let's look at Luke. Chapter 5, there we go, verses 10 and 11, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid, from now on you will fish for people, and so they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Let's, let's line this out and, and talk about it a line at a time, then Jesus said to Simon, who is Simon? Simon. We might know him by his better or more well-known name. Simon is, is also the fellow that's named Peter, the, the person that Jesus changed his name after he confessed that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the living God. Um, but Simon was not someone of importance at that point in his life. He was, he was just a simple fisherman, and, and, and he wasn't a fisherman in the sense that the moles men are fishermen, that that's what they do for recreation. He was a fisherman in the sense that that was what he did for a living he wasn't a religious teacher. He wasn't a person of some importance. He wasn't a trained scribe. He wasn't especially educated. He wasn't a member of the elite or the ruling class of his day. He was just a regular guy who got up every morning, put on his work clothes and his fishing boots or sandals, probably in that day and age, and went out to make a living by the sweat of his brow and the strength of his back. 
Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. What did Simon have to be afraid of? Well, as you're going to see a, little, a few minutes later in, in, in your discovery groups, that Simon had had an encounter with Jesus that rocked his world, that turned everything upside down. It was an encounter where Jesus demonstrated his power and his authority, Jesus' power over the natural world, where Jesus showed that, that he was the one that had authority over the, the lakes and the waters and the fish. It was, it was also an encounter where Jesus not only showed his authority over the natural world, but Jesus showed his power over Simon's vocation. He communicated to Simon that, 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 that the provision that Simon had wasn't actually through the sweat of his brow and the strength of his back, but through the grace and the will of God. And furthermore, it exposed how far short from God's ideal Simon had fallen. You see, when Simon encountered Jesus there by the banks of the Sea of Galilee, he was struck by how large the gap was between the holiness and the power of the rabbi from Nazareth was and his own. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. This wasn't a statement, friends, about recreation. It was a statement about vocation. As we mentioned earlier, fishing was, was Simon's job. It's what he did. It's how he, he put food on the table. It's how he provided for his family. It was currency and it was value. You see, the difference was is that when the Jansen boys or when the Moles boys would go out fishing, the reality is a bad day of fishing just means that you have a hungry belly and a wet butt if you don't catch anything. But for Peter and for his companions, it, it simply meant that, well, they didn't have food to eat and they didn't have currency to buy the necessities of their life. It, it meant that their way of sustaining their actual existence was in peril. Bills didn't get paid. You see, friends, if Simon didn't hustle, he didn't survive. And in addition to the practical realities or the practical provision is that fishing was likely, especially in this day and age and in this time, this was something of a source of identity for Simon as well. The men especially out there, one of the things I think that men in our society, one of the mistakes I think that we make is that quite often is that those of, of us who do a certain thing, we derive probably more than a fair share of our identity from what we do. And maybe it's not just the men out there, maybe it's all of us, right, that we, we, we attach our identity. So, so Dennis, who are you? And a lot of times when people ask me who I am, they ask me an identity question, I mistakenly tell them what I do as a part of my identity. Well, I'm a pastor, or I'm a professor, or I'm a dad, or I'm this, or I'm that. You see, oftentimes in this day and age that, that Simon was living is that businesses like these were not just a source of identity because it's what people did and it's how they, they, they made their living, uh, but it's how they were seen in society and it was actually a familial inheritance. It was handed down from father to son. This was probably, um, yeah, Miles, that, that actually has a hook on the end of it, so be careful, dude. Those of you in the front two rows, you've been warned. Oftentimes, businesses were handed down from fathers to son, and the fact that um, 
Simon's brother Andrew was also in the boat probably is a good indication that this was a family business. that Peter and Andrew were a part of. This encounter, then with Jesus, prompted a change. From now on, Jesus said to them. You see, life was one way before, and from here on out, it's going to be another way. What's interesting to me is that in this encounter, though, the activity or even the identity of Simon doesn't change. Simon was going to continue to do what he had been doing. Simon would still be a fisherman. And maybe this is a time for for a little bit of a quick aside, friends, that so often I think that for most of us, we feel like that when God calls us to do something, we're, we're afraid to surrender all of who we are and all of what we have to God because we're afraid that he's going to ask us to do something that we're not capable of doing. But what God asks us for isn't to become someone that we're not. It's to become the person that he knows we already are. If he has built you with a mind for mathematics or he has built you with a heart for people or if he has built you with a desire to do this or that thing or a proclivity for that thing, he doesn't want to change you into someone new. He wants to sanctify those gifts and abilities that you have been given. Even the things that you may not think are gifts and abilities for his service. You see, what was changed for Peter was the object of his activity, not the activity itself. That's what was being transformed. And so the verse closes by simply saying, after this invitation of Jesus, so they pulled the boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Friends, Jesus isn't inviting Simon and his companions on a fishing trip or a vacation. He's inviting them on a whole new life journey. And it's a journey of discovery. It's a journey of self-discovery. Jesus is inviting them to come and to find out who they truly are. But he's also inviting them on a discovery of himself to find out from him who he really is and what it means to follow him. And there's a sacrifice in Peter's activity. Peter laid his vocation and his identity at Jesus' feet. Don't miss this. He laid it down before Jesus. And the beach became an altar. And the boat and all that it represented became a sacrifice. Friends, it was at this point during the week that I really began to sense the Spirit moving and speaking to me. Meddling, if you will. Asking me some of these same questions. Because the reality is, if if you do this preaching thing right, or if you do it well, you have to preach the message to yourself before you preach it to anybody else. And the Spirit began asking me, okay, Dennis, this is nice enough. It's fun. You're going to have the little boys up there. They're going to be cute. They're going to be endearing. You're going to have the boat that you're going to be way too big to fit on, but Miles is going to fit perfectly on it. But the question isn't about boats and fishing rods. It's not about recreation. It's about vocation, and then it's about identity. So, son, the Holy Spirit says to Dennis, what is your sacrifice, and where is your altar? 
You see, Simon left and he accepted the invitation of Jesus, an invitation to follow him on a journey that would lead him to places he had never anticipated. So Dennis, what about you? So Sunrise, what about us? So as I was thinking about the conclusion of the message, these were the questions that wouldn't leave me alone, and I began to press into the discomfort of the Spirit of God asking me, so what, Dennis? And it prompted me to ask myself, Lord, what are you calling me to do with this information? Because ultimately, friends, it's, it's not about fishing. It's about mission. It's about calling It's about obedience and trust and transformation. So what's the missional journey that I'm being invited on? And maybe by extension, the Holy Spirit is asking each of you this morning, what is the missional journey that you are being invited on? As Dan and the worship team come up to lead us in our our last song, I... I sensed the Spirit, even last night as I was going through some of this stuff. Some of you know, you've probably seen it on the Facebook. Um, Amy and I were able to travel uh, down to Dayton uh, yesterday for her grandmother's 99th birthday, uh, which which was especially sweet given everything that we've gone through over the last few months. And and we got down there and we sat with grandmother and and, and we were in the presence of a life well-lived. We were in the presence of someone who had invested well, who had loved well, and who was surrounded by her children and her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren, all of whom love her with all of their hearts. And I began to ask, and I began to, to sense and to think and to noodle, even last night as we were driving home in, in the dark, I sensed the Spirit calling me to embrace a piece of sacrifice from this passage. And so I asked him, Lord, what would you be saying to me if I were sitting on that bank? What would that altar look like for me? And what would the sacrifice be that you would be asking me to place before you and in your hands? And as I prayed, this was the conversation that the Holy Spirit and I had. So if you will forgive, if you'll forgive the pretense of of meddling with God's holy and precious word, this is what I sense the Spirit saying. Jesus, then Jesus said to Dennis, don't be anxious or depressed. From now on, you will preach, teach, and love people not for the sake of building bigger churches or expanding your influence, but for the sake of making disciples of me. What will I do? What will you do? Because the invitation is pretty similar, I think, to all of us. And 
And I suppose the reality is, is that whatever it is, right, whatever the, whether it's fear, whether it's anxiety, whether it's depression, whatever it is, whatever Jesus is asking us to, to, to lay down, the answer to whether or not we will do that well is something, is interesting because it's not something that I get to write in a bio. It's something that someone else is going to put on my tombstone. And as I consider to think through, through that, what that might look like, what what those people who are going to get to write my story at the end, what they're going to say about me by God's grace, my prayer is that it would look something like this, not just for me, but for you. So Jesus, so Dennis surrendered his gifts, his influence, his faults, his fears, and his desire to be somebody. And he loved the people God placed in his orbit. He stopped trying to do the Spirit's job and was contented to do his own. He laid everything down and he followed Jesus. My friends, this is the invitation that we've been offered. It's not become someone that we're not, but become who he knows us to be. to use our gifts and our abilities, the things that we love, or even our faults and our fears and our failures, to lay them down before him so that others might know him and be changed by him. Dan. Yes, we'll close with our closing song, Son of Suffering. And as we do this, we can also give our tithes and offerings. Um, There's a QR code you can scan in front of you to do that online, or there is a a bucket in between the doors um, that you can give as well during the song or after the service, whichever you feel comfortable. So we can join the mission together and give generously to the sunrise. So let's, let's sing together. Let's worship. Son of God in all his innocence here walking in the dirt with you and me he knows what living is he is acquainted with our grief a man of sorrow son of suffering oh blood Just down and burn.
God who weeps, there's a God who bleeds. Oh, praise the one who would reach for me. Hallelujah. 